0: Welcome into the show. In our quest to continue being historically accurate and completely factual, we recorded this episode on Wednesday, December 22nd, and we made mention, I made mention, to Arizona being undefeated. Well, Arizona lost to Tennessee, so they are no longer undefeated. So I just needed to put this at the top of the show. So again, we are factually correct in all things that we discuss on this podcast. All right, let's get into it. Let's go.
1: Oh, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. gone. Crux Hall. Good place, man. And at the buzzer, the Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This
2: is one of the great college basketball venues in the nation. UD.
0: This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud. I'm your host Sully here once again for the best hour of Dayton basketball talk on the internet. And you know that I got my confidants with me. Kevin also goes by KT, and Drew, who is often with me, to dissect the Dayton Flyers here on the show. Before I get going, I wanted to remind you that this program, and every program this season, is brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Big Green Realty. All right, boys, we're gonna get into it tonight. Dayton a winner against Southern 69-60, nice. And they finish out the non-con schedule at 8 and 5. But 30 seconds into the episode, I'm going to hit you in the head with some trivia. You ready? Already? Hit me. We're doing it. Hit the music. All right, boys. The Dayton Flyers finished the non-con schedule at 8 and 5 with their latest win over the Southern University Jaguars. My question to you. Anthony Grant has now lost five games, at least five games in the non-conference, in three of his five seasons. My question is, before Anthony Grant took the helm, when was the last time the Dayton Flyers lost five games in the non-conference?
2: 2003. True. Uh,
3: 2006.
0: Nailed it. 2006 was the last time the Dayton Flyers lost five games before uh, the Anthony Grant era begun. That team... Uh, took three straight L's to end the non-conference, Cincinnati, Northern Iowa, and Vanderbilt to finish eight and six. After that time, Brian Gregory never lost five games in the non-conference again. And you can probably tell uh, by the trivia question that Archie Miller never lost five games in the non-conference. That leads me to my show opening tonight, boys, um, with Dayton's non-conference behind us. And now the metaphorical midpoint of the season that always coincides with the calendar flipping over to the new year. Dayton's next game is going to be against URI on December 30th. You know, I, I talk about this a lot in that um, in college athletics, people like to flip-flop when they refer to the athletes as adults and when they refer to them as kids. When people want college athletes to be making money, they say they're adults. They're generating revenue for the university. That's a perfectly fine argument, of course. But then when you're too negative and you say negative things about the team or you're brutally honest about the play on the floor, then it immediately switches. Those kids no longer become adults. It is be nice to those kids. And so I start tonight uh, with the episode in saying that we're just going to be real here because with the fires at 8-5, and the at large hopes gone and they they're dead and they're buried 6 feet underground we have to start being a little bit more honest about what we've just seen in the non conference and i have i'd like to have a good pulse on the fan base you guys i think you know this um, twitter and conversations with people you know I'll, you know twitter's not the only place i like to get my conversations but you get what i'm saying here and that uh, taking the pulse of the fan base The excuses are starting to fly around, and the bullshit carousel is spinning, and it is spinning rapidly, and it is flinging BS all over the greater Dayton region. I was listening to flyer feedback um, this morning on a run here in beautiful Lake of the Ozarks, and John Bunnell and Nate Green were uh, on the call for flyer feedback, and not to disparage Nate Green, I love Nate Green, um, they need to have a little bit more polish on WHIO because they are, of course... um, Chosen by the university to have that show. And they, you know, you hear it during the commercial break all the time, chosen in conjunction with the university, which means that you have to toe the line on what you can say and what you cannot say. So being brutally honest really is kind of frowned upon to a certain degree. And it's frowned upon even more so in seasons like this, gentlemen, because the Flyers aren't any good. And it's time that we all make our peace with that one way or another that this team just isn't very good. And we might be a year away. We might be two years away. If you're sitting there saying, well, this is a young team and we're building for the future, that is a perfectly reasonable opinion to hold. However, I'm not into moral victories right now before we've hit the Christmas holiday because I sat on this podcast and talked to Larry Hansen in September, and we both agree generally, and I think most of the listeners agree, that by the time you get to Christmas, you have a very good idea of who the team is that's taking the floor night in, night out for the Dayton Flyers. We have all the uh, empirical evidence that we need to make a judgment about the Dayton Flyers now at eight and five. And if you'd like to come up with statistical data about why they're improving or how much better they've been since the Thanksgiving holiday started, that's again, perfectly fine. But eventually your statistics are going to run in a different direction than the reality that we've seen on the court. And the reality on the court is that the Flyers just aren't that good. And so on Flyer Feedback, I was listening, and Nate Green said something where he said, you know, this was a good win by the Dayton Flyers against Southern. And I could not have disagreed with him more. But then, to his credit, 45 seconds later, he said, you know, they should have beat this Southern team by 20. So we need to stop with the moral victories. This was not a good win against Southern. This was a sloppy offensive performance. The Flyers, again, turned the ball over a ton. Again, they could not shoot the three. They really had no offensive consistency to speak of. And there are positive signs, but I'm not here for that this was a good win conversation. This team's been improving, definitely. It's hard to say otherwise. But to say that they've turned a corner, to say that this team is getting it together for A-10 play, that's just not factual. This team is roughly the same team that we've seen since they got back from Thanksgiving. They're wildly inconsistent. They play when they have intensive intense intensity on the defensive end. They are tough to score against. But boys, I'll open it up here in saying that I'm done with the bullshit carousel right now. Because at first it was, well the team's young, okay? I'll definitely hear that. However, in college basketball right now, Young teams are successful. Dayton is dead last in NCAA experience, according to Ken Palm. If you go three ticks above that, above them on that list, there is Arizona, who is undefeated and the number one team in the net rankings. If you go a little further up, you'll find Marquette, who is eight and five, the same record the Dayton Flyers have. However, Marquette has not lost a game outside the top 100 in Ken Palm, their worst loss being St. Bonaventure. Those are the conversations that we should be having about this young Dayton team is, oh man, they lost a close one to Virginia Tech. Or of course they didn't. I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically. Or, oh man, they lost to an experienced SMU team on the road. Those are the conversations that we should be having. But instead we're splitting hairs about the first four games of the season and how they've improved since then. And then from there, it said, Well, the Flyers are turning the corner. They're getting better. The Flyers just lost to an Old Miss team that is in 136 in the net, which makes that a quad three loss. The same Old Miss team that played Samford last night at home and lost. Old Miss is outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. And again, the conversations that we should be having are around. Why couldn't Dayton pick up this win on the road? Man, they played a tough team, and they just couldn't grind it out. But instead, we're making excuses for a non-conference slate that is a fluke win against Kansas away from being a total disaster. And I'll wrap up in saying this, gentlemen, is that I I wanted to speak honestly about the non-conference, and we are, you know... Before you answer, I want you to consider what this non-conference slate would be like if Mustafa Amzil's shot did not go in against Kansas. It would be an unmitigated disaster of a non-conference. But as Dayton fans, we get to hang our hat on that. Oh, we beat Kansas. We beat Kansas, and unfortunately, it's not going to mean anything towards an at-large resume. And so you know, as we move forward into the A-10 season, you know, obviously, we're done taking every game seriously. You know The individual results for each game in A-10 play are not going to matter a whole lot. We're playing for the top four seeds in the A-10 conference. You lose a game here, you lose a game there. No big deal. What we should be looking for now is how can the Flyers play their best basketball heading into the month of February, late in February, and then into March. I don't have that answer yet, guys, um, but starting the show tonight... I really thought it was proper to just outlay the fact that this non-conference was bad. And it was really unacceptable from a roster that was loaded with talent. And whether the coaching staff did not have them prepared to start the year, or the coaching staff didn't have a great plan to have these guys succeed to start the year, plenty of blame needs to be placed on the coaching staff for having this amount of talent, beating Kansas, beating Virginia Tech, and limping to the finish in the non-conference at 8 and 5. I've unloaded a lot to begin the program tonight. I do apologize, boys, but Drew, I want you to weigh in because you were at the game last night and you saw you've seen Dayton a little bit more than I have in person.
3: Yeah, I, I was there. It was it was all good. We were up 6141 with 606 to go. And I'm thinking, cruise control. We're gonna win this game by 20. Feel pretty good about ourselves. Nope. Nope. We scored one point. For the next five minutes, allowed Southern to get back into the game. Very Sable, frustrating. Stable. A lot of a lot of yell, a lot of restlessness in the arena last night. That that was the one thing I noticed. <laughs> those, those last six minutes, people were yelling. People were standing up, yelling. A lot of what are we doing? What the bleep is going on? I don't know if this is going on radio or not. So I'm not going <laughs> not on not not radio. Not okay, radio. A lot
0: of what the fuck is going on? <laughs> These are the best shows. The best some, shows.
3: Some 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 t- some of the time from me, um, it, it wasn't great. And yeah, you're right on the Kansas point. You know that that shot doesn't go in. We're we're staring at seven and six. Uh, although, if we would have lost to Kansas, we would have played. No, we would not have played Alabama. Alabama lost their first game. Yep. So yeah, it would have been an unmitigated disaster because then we got the win over Belmont, and that would have been Iona, I think, instead. So yep. yeah, seven and six with. Uh, assuming you beat Iona, uh, is is not good. And the three bye loss games, I'm not going to harp on those anymore. We've already beaten those into the ground. Yeah, it's, of course. The SMU and the Ole Miss game. Ole Miss was really disappointing. That was a really, yeah. really good opportunity for for Dayton to show that they were moving in that right direction. Ole yep. Miss, like, don't get it twisted just because it's a SEC school. They're they're not good. No That's evidence not. of the fact. Evidence of the fact that Samford beat them last night. Um, so yeah, it was really disappointing. I didn't get to watch much of that game last Saturday. I caught bits and pieces of it, but from when I was watching, it just wasn't good. It was, it was a game that felt like we needed to win and we really never, ever threatened. It was exactly like the SMU game where we just couldn't get it over the hump of five points to seriously threaten. And so, yeah, it was kind of the same old, same old. So now we go into a 10 play with no at-large hopes. You're playing for the top four, like you said, and you just hope that we can find an identity and a consistent improvement as we move forward because, boys, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have a
0: bit of a gauntlet to open up league play. We do. We do. KT, how have you chosen to unpack the non-conference slate in your own infinite wisdom?
2: First of all, ho, 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 my brothers. You know what time it is. So (laughs) let me touch on the first thing. Christmas time is here indeed, um, and we'll keep our language clean because Santa still is listening and watching. Family <laughs> show, family program. <laughs> Let's start the first things first, talking about using their young a lot. They're young for this, young for that. You can't use that as a blanket statement anytime something goes wrong with this team. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, we can say when you go on the road to play a, t- a team down south, okay, like that's one that we can say. They're young they haven't done that quite yet, m- minus the tournament and everything. Um, you can't look at every single misfortune this team has this year and say, "Oh, they're young. They're young." It doesn't work like that. They're what the second youngest roster in the country or something, but it it doesn't. They're number matter. one now. Yeah, they're number one now. I you know credit where it's due. Ken keeps the numbers. You know. when we look back at the season at the end of the year and look at the season as a whole, we can say, yeah, they're a young team. Um, all that being said, the Kansas win was unreal. Winning that tournament was unreal. Also, it's been really entertaining for me for people to come back. And I know you've already addressed this a couple of times, Sully, on, online on the podcast. But the people like us, who I tend to think that a majority of people who listen to this podcast are on our side of the fence with this stuff, the ones, those of us that came in and really, really, really do drive home those expectations that the program itself has set for itself in terms of we're competing for tournament berths, we're competing for A-10 championships, right? When we won that tournament, everyone's like, ha-ha, told you guys. Like, you were so hard in this program, but look at this now, ha. Huh? It doesn't matter, okay? Winning that tournament, again, was awesome. Beating Kansas was great. Revenge is a great thing. It does not absolve those three-by games. It does not absolve you know anything else this season, okay? Yeah, it was a great thing to hang our head on. We got to look for the small victories in a season like this. Um, but, hey, here we are. Well, we just finished an knockout of 8-5. and five. That's one of the worst we've had in our lifetimes. Um, and no, again, it's not. But that's just... the thing. No, it's not. Like,
0: Anthony Grant has done this now three out of five seasons. Like, I, I know that people love doing the beat in the chest about AG thing, and he's building a wagon. It's like Brian Gregory and Archie Miller never struggled in the non-conference like this. The data's right there. Archie never lost five games in non-con. Yo, Brian Gregory, I know. And I'm saying Brian Gregory after 06. Never did it again. And he had some mediocre teams after 2006. I mean, it, it's, it, I just, I, I cut in because I don't want people to think like, oh my God, like this is unprecedented. Like this is what Anthony Grant is more often than not with his teams. And, you know, yeah, two th- uh, 2020 was great. You know, we, we had, you know, we had our season. Okay, awesome. But in 2018, AG's first season, they went into the conference play at 6 and 6. 2019, they went into conference play. You guessed it, 8 and 5. And then last year, you know, we didn't have a non con to even look at, and that's why he didn't lose five games. But you bet your ass that team probably would have lost five games in the non con. Point being, even if I'm looking at the, the records in the most factual sense, Anthony Grant is in his fifth season and he has lost 5 games in the non-conference more seasons than he hasn't i hey, here's I, a question. I that's well, hold on i just like that is unacceptable I, I you know it's it's such a like we we say this a lot and i get called like being dramatic so much but if we're all just going to throw up our hands and say oh let's go to the arena and have a good time and it, you know the results don't matter i mean if that's the fan base we have to be then I don't know if I want on board for that. Like, I thought we all signed up for winning. I thought we all signed up for at-large births. And, you know, obviously they were long gone after the three by-game losses. So I I don't want to be overly dramatic (laughs) and serious here. I I just want to say that if the expectation is winning, we're not doing that. And this really shouldn't be an acceptable perch for the program to be on because, let's face it, I mean... This team right now is irrelevant. They're not going to have national media talking about them. They're not going to have people in college basketball buzzing. They're not going to like be on SportsCenter unless they're on like a bad beats segment on SVP. I mean, I, I'm just at the point where I, I wanted to outline it to start the show because we can't sit here and hand wave. Like we can't keep hand waving year after year after year. It was like last year was the Obi Toppin year. This year's the young year. What is next year going to be? You know, next year is going to have to be a get to the tournament or else type of season. And the fact that we're even sitting here talking about next season when we're not even at Christmas is is frankly what's unacceptable about it. So if you're sitting yep. there going, well, the boys improved and they're showing signs of life, you're just making excuses for what is now becoming a losing culture. and. And I just, I don't know how to put
2: it more plainly to people that this just isn't going to be good enough. You're not being dramatic. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a handful of talking heads on Twitter who will try to say it's all being dramatic just because we have high expectations. Why don't you want, my question to some of these folks, and let me get one thing straight here. I am pro-AG. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Because not, yeah, we, never, are, we, we all are. Never I'm call not, from I, Exactly. I, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, if done. you don't cheer for AG, there's there's something wrong with you because then you're cheering against the program. But uh, the other side of that is for the people that are saying they're young, they're young, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Every year in the hand waving, what what kind of leash do you guys have on this program and with this coach? We're in our fifth year. We ain't going to the tournament this year. Uh, you can use COVID for like, like with the OB year or whatever. But are we gonna wait till you know year six, seven, eight before some of these folks are finally like, hmm? Maybe something isn't right here. So that's my one thing with that. And again, it's not being dramatic, it's having high expectations. Why would you not want to have high expectations? Why do you want to take pride in mediocrity? All right, we're not Dallas Cowboys fans. Like, what is going on here? I don't understand why it's so wrong to want this team who has done it in the past many times. We have all the resources in the world to do it. There's nothing wrong. And I will never, ever apologize for being pissed off. when this team, with its new <clears throat> billion-dollar arena and all this history to it, a one seed before COVID hit, and people are like, ah, they're young. These three bye games, who the three of us could have probably had a better game against those those teams and what that team did, those games. But that's where I'm at. You know, and it is what it is. We know the season is. I feel bad for the folks out there who are still trying to hang on to some hope, who think that for some, some way, some reason, the committee is going to look at this Kansas win and be like, ooh – it's okay. That absolves everything else that happened bad this year because they beat Kansas in this tournament. There's a lot of folks out there, no names, no names. You know who you are. You got to just let it get over the fact we're not a tournament team, okay? Yeah. If we, win a, if we win an A-10 tournament, that's one thing. Don't even get me started on that. But this is not the year that we wanted it to be. And I don't know why it's so hard to accept. Drew, you're
0: typically more on the um – I don't I don't wanna say like the middle ground because I think we all try to play the middle ground to some degree. But I think you look at the sunny side of these things more than the, the rest of us. And now that we have five AG non-cons in the books and wholly underwhelming results in again, three out of the five, and I'm gonna leave last year off even though it was pretty underwhelming too. you know, we've lost LaSalle on December 30th, so that that date's coming up. But drew, how, how do you digest this? I mean again, I want to make it really clear for listeners. like, We're going to be here all year. We're going to put out a show every Thursday. We're going to talk about the team every single week. We're going to sit down. I will watch every single game in the A-10. I promise you that. And I will want Dayton to win in every one of them. And I still think that this team is capable of going to the top four in this conference by the time the season's over. I think you'd be crazy to think not. I mean, they did beat Kansas, whether it was a fluke or not. They beat them. They beat a very good Virginia Tech team with intense defense and and you know they didn't really have to do a whole lot on the offensive end so as we move forward like again individual results are just not going to be all that important um finishing in the top four is going to be the main focus but Drew where are you at with with all this as we you know get ready for the week off and and Christmas before a 10 play
3: so before I elaborate on this I just have a simple question for the both of you what was the most fun thing about the 2019-2020 season
0: like, the number one most fun thing. Actually, I have a... a There is a correct answer. I have a very very specific answer to this question. And it actually has to do with previous seasons, is that I remember how awesome it was to look at the bracketology every week and be like, where is Dayton going? And then I would look at the AP rankings and say, oh, did we sneak in this week? And then you would go to the sites of the NCAA tournaments and go, all right, what if we... We're in Greensboro. How would I get there? What if we were in Des Moines? Can I get there? Those are the things that I loved in the twenty twenty season. More specifically, it was the rankings coming out uh, every Monday and seeing where the Flyers climbed to. That was the best part.
3: So basically, yeah, it was you, nice. You just, gave, you just gave a long, elaborate <coughs> answer to what I thought was the correct answer, and that was winning. All those things yeah. go back to winning. I don't like everybody wants to make all these excuses about. You know, where the teams going? Where the teams heading? was like, well, you know what? A lot of these excuses aren't necessary. If the team just goes out and fucking wins. There's for cursing again, KT. I know that offends you. (laughs) My my favorite
2: moment real quick, because you asked both of us. (laughs) Obviously, you know, being a one seed or to be one seed. My favorite part of the season was outside of when we cracked that like top 10, whatever we finished at, is the uh, George Washington game end of the season to go undefeated in A-10. I remember waking up and watching Remember the Titans and that one scene where he goes, you know, Coach, you demanded perfection, and this team is perfect. And I watched that over and over. got so pumped. We went so out and won, good, and we were perfect. Glass Scots was an absolute clown show. That was my favorite day of maybe that calendar year.
3: Right. But, again, it goes back to winning. I was just looking for the basic answer, and you guys both gave incredibly detailed and phenomenal answers. The only word I was looking for was winning. And that was, you walked into every game that season, every game, even Kansas, when we played them in Maui, thinking we're going to win. Doesn't matter. We're going to win. And you know what? We came up short twice, but every, every night we laced them up, we went, we're going to win tonight. That's where I want Dayton basketball to be. That's the expectation I want Dayton basketball to have, where it does not matter who suits up, who's on the other side of the court. Dayton's going to the game. We're going to win. And I just don't have that. We don't have that this year. We you haven't know, had that like, for
0: a couple. We haven't had it for two seasons now. Right, exactly. And you know in the, what? In like, the majority of Anthony Grant's tenure, we have not had that. It's just the one season.
3: I'm just, And I'm just saying, like, that's what, you know, people ask me, like, what do you want this person? It's like, that's what I want. I want to go into, go into <clears> almost <throat> every game I either attend or watch on television and think, we're going to win tonight. That's all. That's all I want. And it gets frustrating when... You go into these games like Ole Miss, for example, like did I think we could win? Yes. Did I think we were gonna win? I wasn't all the way confident. Nope. I truly wasn't. And that is where you start getting apathetic about a team, a program, a season. And that's what I fear that's what I fear is setting in for a lot of people is just complete apathy. Yep. And I kind of felt that way in the arena last night. Like <clears throat> if I had to describe last night's game in one word, it was lethargic. Everything felt lethargic from the crowd, the students weren't there, the players looked tired, they looked ready for Christmas break. There was just no energy or juice in the building, and that was what was very, very disappointing for me from last night's game standpoint.
0: People, um, when the season started and we jumped out to the 1-3 and start, I was very vocal, probably the most vocal I've been on Twitter since... I don't know, like when they lost to Fordham, right? And I said, you know, this is really an embarrassment for the program. And I was really concerned with the direction that we were headed. Now, a lot of people don't share my sentiment that they think the program's headed in a good direction. Um, You have enough evidence to make an argument of that. You're not going to convince me. Um, But the reason that I was the way that I was after those three losses is precisely what you just said, Drew, is because I know how Dayton fans are in these types of seasons. It becomes more of a, um, dare I say, like a Cubs fandom game day experience where people are coming in from the city. We're going to UD Arena to watch the Flyers for the first time in a while. And it's just an event that you want to go and do. It's not like hey, we need to go watch this Flyers team because they're great. And I feared that we were going to get here this season. And we have. We're there. We're we're back to the apathetic fan base who is, gee, golly, shucks. The guys tried hard. Let's get them next time. College basketball is the business of winning. It always has been. And when we have seasons like this, what really, like, I, like I, I want to say this personally. Like it kind of tears my heart out a little bit that like we are now, we are literally like going into Christmas, and so many people will not care about what happens to the Dayton Flyers season from here. Many fans and people that love this program are going to be just that much more tuned out. So if you, you know, if you do like see people like coming at you on Twitter, if you want to come at us on Twitter, like you got the wrong marks because. I'm going to be here, rain or shine, but what makes me really upset is that when we lose like this, and we hand wave losing, and we make excuses, it breeds a culture of fans that don't care, and I would rather chop it up a hundred times on Twitter with people arguing about net rankings, and AP polls, and how I'm an idiot for thinking this or that, than to have fans not care at all. And, and that is really where I feel like we're heading is that a bunch of people who are listening to this podcast in a month, they're going to see somebody they haven't seen for a while or, or for a while they went to school with. And you guys know that this plays out a hundred times. You're going to see someone from UD and they're going to go, oh, how are the Flyers doing this year? That is the thing that makes me really sad, like down to my bones.
2: I always feel bad for those people. Yeah, I, I don't I, just, I, I naturally don't feel bad for them. <laughs> I hey, real quick, it. though, that we will, I, I the people that aren't going to care the rest of the season, kind of the bandwagoners and whatnot, <laughs> credit where due, when we're sitting at Glasgow's on a Tuesday night in January watching us play LaSalle, we'll be jealous of those folks at least once that night, but I'm with you on it. That's 100%. true. That is true. Um,
0: and, and you know, the excuses and the, the bullshit carousel, it's spinning all the way up to the coaching staff. I mean, last night. I heard AG on Flyer Feedback. He was talking with Larry Hansen after the game. <clears throat> if you don't listen to the show, you should. Flyer Feedback's great. Um, and Bidell and Nate Green do a great job. But AG said, you know, we looked fatigued. And I thought to myself, why in the fuck does our team look fatigued in the 13th game of the season?
2: Yeah, hey, that I thought they're a young team, guys.
0: I thought they're like, young. Shouldn't they be able to be in shape? Yeah, young whippersnappers, like, those are the things that make me scratch my head when I go, wait, why are we fatigued? Wait, why are we still committing 20 turnovers in a game? I mean, yeah, the team's young, but they've played 13 games now. They're in the thick of the season, and they're about to have a week off. So I, I just, I'm over the excuses that are being made in all facets This was not a good win against Southern. It was a sloppy win. This was not a good non-conference. And the non-con was quite literally a fluke Kansas win away from being a disaster. And, you know, I'm sorry if you came to this cast today looking for, like, you know, some positives. And, oh, everything's going to be great. And here we go into the A-10. It's Christmas
2: time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I know that I took, like, the, the show in a different direction tonight. But it's because, like, I value honesty and just telling it like it is. And the reality is this team's just not any good. And if they, you know, let's let's say, let's play devil's advocate, if they rattle off a bunch of wins and they go 14 and 4, 13 and 5, people will really want to shove it in my face. But the reality of that is something's gonna to have to drastically change for that to occur. So right now, where we're sitting is that Dayton's 102 in Ken Palm. They've been on the outside of the top 100 more often than they have not this season. They started at 84. They were at 115 by the time the Austin P game started. And then they got under 100 uh, when they beat Northern Illinois. And now they are back up to 102. They can't shoot worth a shit. I mean, this team literally cannot shoot threes. Um, and there's so many little things that they need to clean up that don't that, – feel like the team is underprepared. And last night, Drew, I know you saw this firsthand. The team looked completely unprepared to handle a press, something which they've done multiple games now. Why is that?
3: It's hard to say. It falls back on coaching and putting these players in the right positions and also these players taking a little bit of ownership when, you know, if you have the, the press broken, like if you get that first pass, don't just stand there and let them converge on you again. Go run. You have numbers like that. I think that was what a lot of the unrest in the arena while we, when we couldn't break that press was, is that the guys would get the ball. They would just stand there and then they would throw it away when they turn it over and Southern's going the other way for a layup or a three, one of the two. And that was, that was the most disheartening thing is that it wasn't even a good press either. Like no, it, it was so easy to break. And like a, a uh, high school basketball team from Shelby County, Ohio could have broken that press last night. Ooh,
1: shout, shout out, out and, Shelby.
3: Uh, shout <laughs> out Shelby County. Play a lot of play a lot of fundamental basketball up there. I'll tell you what. Um, but and again like I it was Malachi Smith's worst game since he became the starter. Only 9 points, only two assists, four turnovers. Uh 3 and 9 from the field. He he didn't look particularly effective. He didn't look particularly as engaged as he usually does uh most nights. Uh, Tamani Kamara, he had 13 and 12, but Again, six turnovers, and pretty that, much all that was in the first half. That's half, half as many be. turnovers that Southern had as a team.
2: Yeah. Hey, are there any more Smith relatives running around the Bronx we don't know about yet? Have we done <laughs> our full due them. diligence on that? We're, We're going hey, to you know currently investigating. Quick, talking about fundamentals and, and coaching and all this stuff. My favorite favorite people on Twitter never fails are the ones that come at you, any of us or anyone else on Twitter with oh, you think you're a better coach, you think you could do better, you think you know more about basketball no. than Anthony Grant. It's no, funny because, no, no. ironically, ironically, <laughs> them saying that, they're, they're trying to call someone else dumb, outs them as being maybe the dumbest person in the world. It yeah. is not anyone trying to say we're better coaches or X's and O's. Um, again, to go back to it, it doesn't take a genius or rocket science to, to be able to come out and say some of these losses are unacceptable. Most of them are, actually, for the way in which they were handled. But that's not you can still be the biggest diehard fan in the world and just be pissed off about that stuff. It's not hard, guys. And I'm done. I, we're not defending this stuff anymore, but those are my favorite people.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I'll, uh, so let's do some uh, bonus trivia here, some quick facts, if you will. Um, over the last five games, okay, the Dayton Flyers have turned the ball over, brace yourselves, 81 so times. My question to you guys so is, how many turnovers is Tamani Kamara responsible for out of those 81? Drew, go first.
3: I'm going to say – I'm going to average this out to – what was
0: it? What would you say? Five games? Five games, 81 turnovers.
3: I'm going to average this out to, <coughs> to 20, a quarter of them.
0: Okay. KT? I was going to go like 36. He has exactly one-third of all of Dayton's turnovers over the last five games. That's good for 27. So he has 27 turnovers himself. The team, the rest of the team, has 54. Getting further, how many games this season has Dayton been out-rebounded? Drew, go first. One. KT? Um, I'm going to go with three. One is correct. They were out rebounded by See, Lipscomb. This is bullshit.
3: He's, you're only. cheating. You're feeding <laughs> him answers. Oh, no, he's you're cheating. He's <laughs> just cheating.
0: Keep crying, so. <laughs> keep, keep crying, KT. My yeah, God. We're just moving on with the trivia, okay? Um, they were tied with Old Miss on the rebounding front. They have been out rebounded by only Lipscomb. And, you know, if you do need, um, like, Lipscomb. Let's, let's, put some, let's put some spin zone in a little bit. This is still the most impressive rebounding team Dayton's had in about 20 years. Um, They get after the glass hard, and frankly, it's going to be something that keeps them in a lot of games in the A-10 season when their turnovers are taking them out of games. And if this season does anything for this fan base, I hope it drills home the importance of every single game that Dayton schedules and plays in the non-conference, because the three games that we lost to begin the season truly did end the year. Without those games, I mean, you can do the math yourself. Dayton would be sitting at 11-2 with only losses to Mississippi and SMU, ones that could easily have been explained away by beating Kansas and Belmont and Virginia Tech. So instead, I just, but instead, you know, we're sitting here at 8-5. and five, So I want people to, to just consider again, how important literally every game is in an non-conference for Dayton, which is a blessing and a curse, right? Like, I, I think it's cool because every game does matter and we do kind of have a-, a certain importance about it. Um, and, you know, I-, I say this all the time, like, for big-time programs, like, in my own household, uh, Iowa gets watched a lot. It's hard for me to, like, actually compare the investment you need to make, like, emotionally as an Iowa fan – because like, oh, we lost to number one Purdue. Okay, that's Friday. On Monday, they're playing Illinois. And then on Thursday, we play Iowa State. And then Saturday, we play Utah State, who's a top 50 team. It's like, you you lose a game, so what? You wash it off, and the next game comes around. But Dayton, again, doesn't have those opportunities. And when you lose three really bad games, there's just nothing left for you to salvage to make up for those losses. And so in the same breath... As we're coming towards the end of the show, and we do thank you for sticking around again. Today's Talking Out Loud brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. If you're looking for a home in southwestern Ohio, please look up the team of Lions and Reynolds at Vic Green Realty. Um, Right now, as we head into the A-10 season, there are more A-10 teams in the net rankings between 90 and 110 than there are in the top 75. Richmond at 90. URI at 91. Dayton 106, and George Mason is at 107. The top 75 only consists of VCU at 74, SLU at 70, and a big old canyon. And then Davidson has found their way all the way down at 44 after finishing up a very impressive non-con slate, which has them at 55 in the Ken Palm rankings, 10-2 and two overall, only taking neutral losses to New Mexico State, and San Francisco, and they beat everybody else, and they beat Alabama uh, by one point this past Tuesday. Before winning a non-D1 game last night would be Wednesday, December twenty-second. So they've also um, won
3: nine in a row.
0: They have. They have won nine in a row. They started one and two, and they are now ten and two uh, going into um, going into the A10 play. So I I always want to drive that point home, guys, because we talk about it all the time, like how important things are scheduling is in the non-con and then how important all the games are but um you know it's it's hard for me to digest what we've seen in this non-conference and, and kind of hand wave it as acceptable so with that said i think everybody knows how we all feel do you guys want to add anything into the non-con before we make our predictions for the a10 season
3: not particularly no uh, i'm <laughs> glad it's over I'll <laughs> say that i'm glad it's over. yeah
2: yeah did all that uh, yeah. One thing I'm just going to repeat that you already said, and it's very, very simple. Being as the program we are, the conference we're in, we don't have chances like some other teams and conferences do, like the Big Ten. That's just what it is. Like, Deal with it. Get over it. That's what it is. And because is we is. blew the chances we had, that, that's it. It's it. That, that's it. That's all there is to it. It's, it's white and black. That's yep. why we're not going to go to the tournament this year. There's no. You can't do a thousand different analyses or prayers or whatever. It's very, very simple. We're out.
0: Yeah, we're out. And this the season is going to be enjoyment only until we get to the A-10 tournament. Of course, you know, this team is capable of winning three games in three days. So as Keith Walaszkowski said last week, the focus for this team now has to be figuring out how to finish in the top four because that will give Dayton a realistic shot of winning the A-10 tournament. If they're outside the top four, I just do not see a realistic world where that happens. Um, so as we turn the page... I think it, we can highlight a couple of things, putting it in the spin zone here. What is going to keep Dayton in games in the A-10 this year is going to be the rebounding and the defensive intensity. They need to have their identity be defense. And I, I talked with, um, I think, KT, you were with me at Glasgow's one time, and we were talking with London Warren. And he talked about the 2009 and 2010 teams for Dayton. And if you remember those teams, 2009 team went to the NCAA Tournament the 2010 team famously missed the tournament inexplicably and won the NIT that year, beating North Carolina. But London told me that in those years, Brian Gregory's message to the team going into both seasons was, we're going to be defensive-minded. And in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, they were 25th in defense in 09. In 2010, they were the ninth best defensive team in the country. And so BG said to them quite plainly, You guys are not a good offensive team. What your goal should be is holding teams under 60 points every single night. And I think you guys can all tell where I'm going with this. That's precisely what this team needs to be. It needs to be a how do we hold teams under 60 points every single night. Now, I don't know if we're capable of doing that every night, but that's what it has to be because, as we explained, Dayton's going to win the rebounding battle most nights, and I don't foresee that changing. Kamara, for his faults, is great on the boards, Deron Holmes also great on the boards and we don't have any consistency on offense. that's going to lead to this great spark. And then, you know, adversely, we're not a good shooting team. I mean, they're piss poor at shooting the three since the Miami game where Dayton went 11 for 19. They have only had two games where they've shot over 33% from three point land. They were the Belmont game at seven for 18. That's good for 39%. And then the Virginia tech game, they were seven for 18. However, RJ Blakeney was five for five, which leads the rest of the Dayton team being two for thirteen. So, Drew, I want you to give me give me your roses prediction. How do things go well for the Flyers in the A10? And then, what do you think their record's going to be? Give me a best case and a worst case scenario for the listeners.
3: Okay, best. We'll start with uh, best case. Best case is we cut the we cut the turnovers out, and the defense becomes. Consistent to the point where we can go on the road anywhere and say, well, we may not have the the offense going, but we're going to defend you hard enough. We're going to play good enough defense that this game's going to be a rock fight. Like, basically just going to be a rock fight. And we get into the top four. And as we've talked about, they're capable of winning three games in three days. And, you know, KT says we're not going. The only way to the NCAA tournament now is to do something that we haven't done in two decades. Nearly two decades. Uh, so but that could it happen? Yeah, Kamara. Like, if he stops turning the ball over and he becomes more of the guy that we kind of thought we were signing up for, then yeah, I think we've got enough talent, and if we can get it all together, we can surely beat anybody in the conference. I don't think anybody in the conference is a is a world beater by any stretch. I think anybody can be beat on any given night. So that's that's your best case scenario. Worst case scenario, it's basically just the inverse of everything I said we don't <laughs> we don't bring the defensive intensity every night. We walk into some of these buildings like a VCU or a Rhode Island or something and we just get pasted by like 15 to 20 points. And no th- and like when the offense isn't there and we're not defending hard and all these things, that's where it can go horribly horribly wrong. And the one thing about the defense that I've noticed and I hope it improves is that we have very good defenders. We have uh, we could put five really good defenders on the floor. I think our starting lineup are the chief among our five best defenders. Maybe interchange I Elvis agree. for Weaver. Yeah. But the problem is, is that Brea and Amsel and Zimmy and Sissoko can bang, but he's not necessarily a great defender. No. You know, when you bring these guys in off the bench, the defensive intensity really, really drops. And that was very, very apparent last night. So that's where you need to get these bench guys to buy in a little bit more on the defensive end of the ball so that you are a cohesive 10-man deep defensive unit that doesn't take any breaks, that is in your shorts for 40 minutes, and you know what you're signing up for when the Dayton Flyers step on the floor.
0: Give me your record, Drew, before we get to KT. 18
2: games. I'm going to say 12-6. and That's where I'm at, too. Go ahead, ahead, KT. Best case, we smack those hillbillies down south, catch some momentum. <laughs> God, I hope so. Catch some momentum at <laughs> the tail end of the season and see what happens as we roll into the a 10 tournament. Worst case, losing to Fordham and or LaSalle. My or record both. prediction. And they're dreaded And or, and or. And or, and or, sorry. Yeah. Uh, my prediction is 10-8. and 10-8, and eight. all right,
0: yeah. I. You know, I think that with the, the defense that we've seen from this squad, I do think that twelve and six is going to be where they land, just because I think the rebounding will keep them in a bunch of games. They're going to turn the ball over a bunch; that's going to happen. And so, with defense and rebounding, you know, we've seen this in the conference over the last like five, six years. That is kind of the the blueprint for how you're going to win games. Um, not shooting yourself in the foot is definitely one of those things as well, of course. Um, but I, I'm going to land at twelve and six as well. I think that's where we have to put the the watermark on what's considered a successful conference season, given what we've already seen out of the non-con. Um, so, let you know, we can put a bow on the non-con now and, and kind of set it out to see, as they say. Boys, uh, I'm looking forward to Dayton's first week because it really is a put-up or shut-up week for the Flyers to start a 10 play. Thursday night, they go to Rhode Island. That'd be December 30th. Then they come home on Sunday afternoon for St. Bonaventure, followed by a Wednesday night tilt against VCU before the schedule gives them a nice easy game on the road at George Washington. So, you know, we're going to find out right away what this team is, what their response is to an 8-5 and record. And then we're going to see kind of how they stack up to, to frankly, the A-10's best. I mean, you know, Rhode Island, Bonaventure, VCU are, are probably going to be in the top half of the A-10, so I'm interested to see how this team stacks up, given what we've already seen, because um, you know the turnovers are a huge problem. Again, the things that they do well um, is the rebounding, but there's only 50 teams in D1 right now that are turning the ball over more frequently than the Flyers. Um, but as with all AG teams, they're top 15 in the country in two-point percentage. They're good for 57% from two-point range, which has been an AG staple. Um, over the course of his tenure. Um, I think that's that's good for today, fellas. I want your final thoughts, as I always do. KT, you can go first and give us your final thoughts for the program as we head into Christmas and we sign off for a week.
2: Uh, first of all, happy and safe holidays. Merry Christmas to all, especially those that tune in week in, week out. Yeah. I will never, ever lower my expectations or apologize for being hard on a team that I expect to always be in the conversation. By the end of the year, and to be playing for seeds, not prayers, in December. Um, so my final thoughts on that is, I want a good rest of the year. Yeah, I'll we'll see you at Glasscots
0: for a few cold ones, of course. Um, Drew, Absolutely. If I, if I, when thoughts. I say
2: when I say good rest of the year, I mean like I just, uh, just see some good effort the out there. I don't know what else to the say.
0: Loss yeah, Coach the loss is the Fordham. That's all.
2: Yeah, that's really <clears throat> all I can say.
0: Drew, final thoughts. It's your turn.
3: Final thoughts. If we go, if we win these first three games and go three and zero in the first three, parade is back on in my mind.
0: <laughs> you're planning the A10 conference championship parade. We're planting the flag, baby. No, uh, but
3: seriously, uh, I think I think we talk about tangible improvement a lot on this show. And a lot of times when we talk about tangible improvement, we talk about it on the offensive end of the ball. I want to see tangible improvement on the defense. I want us. I know VCU is being heralded as a very very good defensive team. Uh, this season, but I want Dayton to be the number one defense in the A10. I don't think it's that, that unrealistic. I don't. I don't think it's that unrealistic of an expectation. I don't think like I said it before. I don't think the A10 is that great. I think Dayton can be the best defensive team in the conference, and that is what I want to see.
2: They you know, it's a bad right year. Now, I, they can be. You know, it's a bad year when all I can say is I hope for a good A10 year, A10 <laughs> season. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I just that's that's really all there is to say right now. Just please show me something that I, we can look forward to the next couple of years.
0: Level setting all of the listeners' expectations with what Drew just said. That is a tall mountain to climb for Dayton to be the best defensive team in the conference because BCU is currently sitting at 7-4, and and they are the third best defensive team in the entire country. I didn't realize they were that good. They are top five in in opponents' effective field goal percentage. 40% is what they're holding all opponents to. They are turning the ball over 27% of opponents' possessions. That's good for fifth in the country, and their three-point defense is is 23% for their opponents. That is good for number one in the entire country. All right, top two. (laughs) In regulation this year, VCU has yet uh, to give up 70 points. So, um, hey, you know, that kind of game. Well, let's be honest, guys. I mean, that kind of game was how we won Virginia Tech. So defensive rock fights are actually going to favor the Flyers this year because the offense is not going to get margin or, you know, dramatically better before the end of the season. So, you know, like we said, the brand of basketball heading into January and February needs to be to ugly it up and hold the team under 60 and they're going to have a chance to win every night. So with that in mind uh, for KT, KT, Andrew I'm Sully I go by Sully I appreciate I want to sign off before the Christmas holiday just saying that we the three of us greatly appreciate you fair listener and you tuning into this program we greatly appreciate our sponsors uh, the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty and I thank you for making this the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 we are at 1500 listeners per week every week now um which is far and away um you know the best podcast in the A-10. We're number one. The facts prove it. Stick with us for the whole season. We got lots of time, and so with that in mind, I'm going to take you out with a song that has a great guitar riff, but it's called All The Time, and is by Bahamas. Um, again, for the boys, I'm Sully. This is Talking Out Loud, where we have two rules. Drew, what's the first rule? Wear red. KT, what's the second rule? Feel up. You got it. <laughs> we'll catch you guys uh, That was next me week. as KT,
3: in case you didn't know, everybody.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great time to sign off. We'll catch you guys next week when Dayton takes on Rhode Island on
1: the 30th.